Just let me know when you're... Había una vez un paraguas soleado en un árbol. Aquí está la historia de cómo llegó a hacer eso. Llovió toda la semana cuando de repente salió el sol para quedarse y todos fueron al parque a jugar. Un niño pateó su balón de fútbol muy alto y aterrizó en un árbol que casi llegó al cielo. This is the story of a man with this umbrella. El hombre con el paraguas soleado. And the author, Rochelle O'Neill Thorpe, is right here with us. Hi. So hello, Rochelle. Hi. It's nice to be here with you today, Gabrielle. This is such a beautiful book. And so you know, Rochelle owns her um, press publishing company. It's called Wiggles Press Publishing. Tell us, Rochelle, how did you come about these amazing beautiful books because you have to see the art it's not only about the words and the meaning of this book but also the art tell us a little bit about yourself how did you come up come about to you know publishing books and all, all of what you're doing now okay um well it started with basically being a child and loving stories when i was younger i wanted to have more and more books that were diverse that would reflect our Uh, culture and um, upbringing and just the children that I was around. You know, a lot of times when I'd get to, to school, the books I read didn't reflect um, the kids in my neighborhood or, or the friends and family that I was um, spending my summers and vacation time with. Sure. So I always desired to create those stories as I got older. Um, so uh, I kind of put that on the back burner Uh, I had a corporate career, went to college, got a degree in business administration. Um, and then I ended up in the role, um, went from finance to marketing. And in the role of a marketing professional, I was developing collateral and doing um, catalogs and books and things to sell products and services. I found myself in a situation when I decided to go back to grad school and get a master's in intermarriage. Uh, integrated marketing communications where um, I had just had uh, a child and unfortunately my husband passed away with uh, cancer. So uh, I was at home with two children in high school, one a senior, one a sophomore and a brand new toddler. Oh my goodness. I know. And I thought, well, what can I do? And I thought that all those journals and um, that I had Uh, kept of the little nuances of raising my children and my habit of scribbling poetry and prose and making up stories as it bet at nighttime at bedtime mm -hmm. um, came to me. Why don't you write a children's book? So I started putting, especially my the last year of my husband's life he spent with his toddler, and I wrote a poem about that, about walking him to the park and spending time with Gabriel learning you know, how to play with toys in his toy box and put how putting beautiful. them back. It was wonderful. So um, so that was the birth of, you know, my first story. And I just kept going from there. But then as I started to go about marketing my books, I would meet so many people, especially school teachers or retired school teachers, who would say to me, you know, I've written a story and I'd love to get it published. Do you know anybody? And uh, I even had a gentleman who I admire greatly come to me to help him get his book pu published. Oh, wow. And that so was you saw that demand. Saw that demand. Mm -hmm. And so 
I decided to help um, this gentleman. His name is Mel King, and his book was Streets. And I became his publishing agent, went out to find a publisher for him, and that was Sweetie's Books. Uh, worked coordinating, um, getting the deliverables to her for uh, stepping him through the process of getting his book completed. And then we reached some snags here and there, and I, I could draw upon my marketing experience to help resolve some of that. So that was my um, introduction to the marketing uh, of books and, and being an agent and a publicist. I'd done PR as a marketing director, but this was a whole new uh, gamut to create brand um, sure. around personality, something that you know about, right? <laughs> um, so I was happy to uh, start this, and I just put my umbrella out there and made a request for new authors and new publishers to contact me. And my God, the floodgates opened. I had so many submissions. <sighs> Wow. So who would be the ideal, you know, writer? Who can be a writer to come and approach you? Is it just a regular person that has a story in their mind and then they just want to put some ink on it? Or is it somebody that has experience writing? Um, you know, who would be that person? Can I actually myself, can I come and write a book and you can publish it? Or how does that work? Okay. So, um, Originally, when I started, I did kind of have my hands out, right? I was willing to catch anybody yeah. that fell <laughs> in my way. But in that process, I found a lot of people would come to pick my brain. And I had totally two different kind of approaches. I had people who had been out there for a while, you know, 10, 20 years trying to get published, and they were getting rejection letters. And yet I would read their submissions, and, and, and it had... Um, validation and it resonated with me and I thought why aren't they they're not getting published well at the time the industry was going through quite a transition they were going from the traditional publishing house to offering all these new offerings for self-publishing and people were in the dark about how do I get self-published they wanted someone who could hold their hand so I had this expertise in how to, to, to create a book I had the expertise on how to market products. I had expertise on um, arranging events and so scheduling things. So I thought, oh, this is going to be very important for us to, um, for me to think about how I can be of service to these people who uh, were getting rejected, and then to kind of weed out how committed are you to this process. So then um, I was lucky that the first handful of people that I decided to work with had come with a level of knowledge, especially in around the editing and, and art and illustration. So I asked them, you know, hey, I'm a collaborative agency. Can we, let's put together a guidebook. So we stopped and we created the book, Wiggle Room, Finding Your Niche in Publishing Children's Books. Um, because it would eliminate me spending hours on phone or in person with someone who only wanted to get enough information to run off and do their own thing. You have mentioned something very specific that I try to tell people all the time when I'm working with them, and I'm so happy that you said it. You have 20 years, 50 years, 70 years, you name it, of experience and your knowledge, you're transferring that knowledge to somebody that can save all those years of learning that information. And you're teaching them how to do that in hours, or maybe a couple of days, or maybe some months. I don't know what the process takes. 
But it is so important that people understand that when you have the opportunity to work with someone that has already walked the walk and talked the talk and, you know, puts you in a place that is not the very beginning, you're, you're ahead. You're two, three steps ahead of the game. Right. Why not do it, right? right? Yes, and this is why um, here at the Staples Studios, uh, being in the spotlight, opening an opportunity where people can come to the first session with me for free. I will give, uh, they also can uh, go and get the book online. Um, what I've done recently is I've updated it. So I've gone through it and done some edits to the content, and I've updated, um, added three or four chapters at the end of the book that um, when I first did this book, it was to stop the brain picking. Mm -hmm. So it was done like first year in business. Now what I've done is added additional content and practices that uh, take you through the 10 years of, w of what I've learned um, the, the roadblocks and the transitions in this industry. Because in the beginning, um, traditional publishing uh, uh, bookstores would not take a book necessarily uh, welcome books from self-publishers. Sure. But now, because self-publishers have created such a wealth of knowledge and channels um, that they are now put into a whole chain where all kinds of bookstores are willing to to take you and put you on the shelf or order you. It's a different ballgame. It's, it's a whole different ballgame. So um, so you really have to be sincere. You have to be willing to go on some sort of market tour to get your personality in, out there, to get your book and your story out there. You have to really work uh, on your sales. It can't be, oh, I got a book done and I got my, my, my cousins know about it, my best <laughs> friends know about it, but... It's never going to reach a child or parent that really can learn from that teachable moment. So what I try to do now in these seminars is offer you the opportunity to come and learn, you know, read the book, come with your questions. You can be anywhere in the world. You can pick up the phone and call me and we can set up a session or I'll put you into uh, a Google Classroom where you can even download the book by PDF. We can go, you can go and download my PowerPoint presentations that will further help you to delve into the sweet spots oh, of each so chapter. So it's even a, you know, a learn by yourself. And learn by yourself yeah. or join a group. I w the reason why that I want the seminars is because I, I want a few writers, a few uh budding publishers, a few budding illustrators to be at the round table to go through, okay, I'm listening to this story. I'm visualizing the character. I'm going to work with the author to kind to, to create that storyboard. Um, you have such an amazing platform for creation. Exactly. I mean, it's just a brainstorming session it when exactly. everybody can just bring their best attributes and create oh, magic, right? Right, and I'm only asking um, for the funds, not only just, you know, like $50 for the, f for five weeks or a hundred dollars for 10 weeks, we're talking $10 a that week. Is okay. So, for, so affordable for compared to a, you know, a, a undergraduate. Yes, exactly. exactly. And, and it's, it's really wonderful because then what I can do is I, it'll help me to cover the expense of hosting the uh, seminar. But it also gives me a pool of funds to set aside so that once the team reviews somebody's work um, and decides, hey, that one should be go, this one should go, I can have that revolving flow of income to get the next book out to help the next person get through. Oh, that's that such first a wonderful 
it, it is such a wonderful way of helping others because you can tell that you really care for the industry. It's not just about you publishing your books or you making a name for yourself. You're actually taking your time and your knowledge to help others bring their best you know, uh, stories to life. Really, that's right. what's happening. And so when I was looking into your book, and I let me tell you something, I love the fact that you're writing in Spanish. And you know what? And I see other books here that you have that it's in Chinese. Uh, why are you writing in different languages? I mean, this is fantastic. Well, my believe it or not, when I was about, I just moved to New England. Right mm -hmm. before we came here, we lived in a New York City, uh, New York, Schenectady, New York, about two years prior to moving to Boston. And my mother um, lived in, in a building where there was a, a retired librarian who would uh, spend time with me after school and she was from London oh wow. so here I was this little uh, little girl uh, back then they called me Shelly O'Neill mm -hmm. so I was this little brown skinned girl with red reddish hair <laughs> uh, suntan Irish girl was a nickname I got in Boston and she would teach me everything from drying flowers to making sure I had the classics to read Oh, wow. I mean, Gulliver's Travels and Robinson Crusoe and stuff that most little girls would be like, I don't want to read this. <laughs> but she made sure I had them. And we'd have tea together after school. So What an experience. What an experience. And then my mom, somehow I came across this book called Children of Many Lands. And it was a little beautiful red book that had so-and-so from Sweden and uh, a little Chinese boy flying his kite, and then a little uh, boy in his poncho from Mexico. It just had little short stories about children from different countries. And I was fascinated by that. I had never, you know, the most exotic thing growing up in Oklahoma, um, not far from Texas, of course, the most <laughs> exotic thing I ever <laughs> I ever knew about was a Mexican. Yes. Right? So I, ha I would have uh, Mexican food, and we would just light up. Well, we can't go to the Mexican food. Wow, you know? And we'd wear the ponchos. The trip of a lifetime. A trip of a lifetime. You know, this is before Taco Bell, baby. Yes. <laughs> I was really happy. And so then when I moved to New England, I felt, you know, Oklahoma was one of those states like that, the last to join the union. So, I mean, even after Texas, okay? So we're talking, everything around me was less than 100 years old. Mm -hmm. I moved to New England. Here they talk about their bicentennial. <laughs> <laughs> and everything. You can't even turn like, the light on because it's so old, right? <laughs> I felt like I was moving to Europe. Like, yes. Uh, I never. There's a lot of people history. People ask me, oh, this is how naive, okay? Oh, are you Irish? I'm looking at them, what are they cocked? What's Irish? <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea that O'Neill was Irish. We were not ethnocentric in Oklahoma. We were American. We were racially identified mm -hmm. um, according to a color map, but not a origin or an immigration map. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't part of my um, conscience. So it became, I had, like most people coming from a different environment, I had to confront xenophobia, wow. being scared of other cultures, being scared of what was unknown. And that turned into intrigue, curiosity, and passion. So I ended up 
sitting next to kids whose parents came from Guatemala, Hong Kong, Vietnam, Cape Verde, Puerto Rico. Brighton High was just a collaborative quilt of people from different tongues, food, smells, languages. That is amazing. And I just loved it. So in my trigonometry class, there was me and my buddy Pam, two African-American girls in the trigonometry class. Everybody around us is speaking Cantonese or Toysanese. And I'm like, what are they saying? I wanted to know. <laughs> and back then we didn't have Google Translate. No, so. we didn't, <laughs> we didn't so have the internet. It was internet. like, okay. <laughs> we didn't have the internet. We had the classroom. Okay? Yes. <laughs> so, so it was wonderful. And Miss Perez, my Spanish teacher, was Cuban. And she was the only one that called up my mother when I was not obeying her or <gasps> discipline in class. Yeah. The little princess, okay, she's in trouble. Uh, Raquel, callate la boca. You're talking too much in my <laughs> class. I'm calling tu madre. <laughs> and I would sit there like, oh, because I'm sitting between two girls who I call my, my primas. Uh-huh. And we're talking, talking, talking in Spanish. Like, we don't need to know this. They're Puerto Ricanos. I understand, <laughs> you know, Boricuas. So I was just showing off and flossing what I knew. And she would say, be quiet. This is my classroom. <laughs> you know, she took control. But. Her poignant um, observation of my language abilities later unfolded. I mean, the next you know, I'm at school, struggling in the business school. I decided to survive. I'm going to go and take Chinese with my f- classmates that came to UMass as well um, from Hong that Kong. That is impressive. And the next you know, Because my you didn't choose the easiest language either. <laughs> no. You went out there and learned Everything. I mean, like, because the, pict- the pictography, or I don't know how yes, it is, yes, right? It is. It's, 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 it's just, sure, like, yeah. amazing. You yes. have to learn a whole new language from scratch. So I commend you for that, let me tell you. And uh, for the audience, so you know, nuestra amiga, ella habla español. I love that she really owns it and she lives with it. And, and for those people that don't understand um, how a different background or racial um attribute you know could could also embrace our culture we have to give an opportunity for others that have lived with us that experience what the other culture is about because you have your own world and you can also express from your own words how was to live around surrounded by you know chinese hispanic um cape verdean and etc etc right right it's it's and you know what we don't treasure as much is diversity within diversity. Correct. We sometimes think that just because someone is of color, we understand them. Um, Or we only want to understand each other from a point of pain. And one of the things that I like when I learn language is I'm learning not only the points of pain, but the commonalities and the nuances. You're opening your world. Oh, the nuances is what's so beautiful. I, my, one of my trips to Mexico um, involved meeting a woman who came up to me and asked me, oh, you know what? Do you know my, my grandpa and your grandpa po- both were from America? And I'm looking at her, and she goes, and she was letting me know that she was a, an Afro-Mexicano. Oh. So that the Buffalo soldiers, mm-hmm. some of them came to Mexico uh, during the Civil War. And they, oh, no. 
Yeah, right? and they settled and they married Mexican women and they had families. And so they, they, she was proud of her heritage. And I thought, well, gosh, how does she know? I have Buffalo soldiers too in my family that did the reverse, which married my grandmother who came from uh, a long, long, Longhorn or Longview or Corpus Christi, that area of uh-huh, Texas, uh-huh. before it was Texas. So she could have just as easily been an Aztec or a Mexicana. So I don't know, but it was the journey of the the of the ancestry it's of the ancestry amazing. and the migration of yes. the um, the Trail of Tears that mm-hmm. brought the soldiers across from you know after the war they brought the wagon trains across and they married women along the way and and here it is you know so it's full sometimes it goes full circle and I just want to reach out to the families. That would be receptive to a good storytelling, you know, because we come from cultures that are oral, you know, all our histories yes, are oral. Yes, that's correct. Right. That's correct. And, you know, take it also as an engagement time. It's so important for us to teach our kids to read and not to read just in one language. I cannot tell you how many times, um, you know, I'm very lucky that I have still my family in Mexico and my daughter can just leave for the summer and spend some time in the summer with my family in Mexico. And she's able to read, write, understand both languages. She's now interested in Portuguese. And that just opens up friendship, you know, opportunities. She's learning different things that she will never learn if she was just in this cocoon of one world, right? That's so beautiful. And and, and honestly, I suggest everybody to go check your books and also, if you're interested in writing a book and you don't know where to start or you don't have a guideline, I suggest you, you visit Rochelle's seminar. Um, can you please give us at the, the website or where they can find you? Sure. Um, I'm at wigglespresspublishing.com. Um, I'm also able to find me if you did wigglespressbooks.com or all of my seminars are posted on Eventbrite. So the, today's seminar uh, was this morning from 10.30 to 12. I'm going to be doing this weekly, so there will be another one next week. Um, I think it's March the 3rd, 4th, March 4th, um, at the same time, 10.30 to 12, here at the Staples Studio, uh, Staples Connect, uh, Fresh Pond, Alwa Brook Parkway. All they have to do is come. Uh, come to the Staples Studio and ask for uh, Wiggles Press, and they'll locate me. I'll invite you to come into the the first seminar. As I said, we, I'm I'm inviting you to come free. After that, I would love to uh, have you long term and help you set your goals and become your uh, agent and help you get that uh, dream book completed. But most of all, um, if you are a Hispanic writer, uh, I welcome you to come because I'd love to collaborate here with uh, Gabriela Salas and we would get you a translator. We'll help you develop your brand. We will, uh, if you want your product um, marketed to the Hispanic market, we'll create this collaboration and and make this happen. Absolutely. So, So, you know, people, please, don't forget to check out wigglespresspublishing.com. Um, 
and Rochelle's books are amazing. Uh, my kids are gonna love it. I'm I can't wait to show them. And as you heard my my voice, you know my lovely voice reading the story. It's actually very catchy, and the art is beautiful. Uh, I'll suggest you to please support all these women entrepreneurs as well mm -hmm. uh, that we're trying to build a business. And if you have any questions, you know where to reach us. And thank you so much for being with us, Rochelle. I really, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Gabriella. Uh, I look forward to seeing you and talking with you next week. That's right. Thank you so much, everybody, and I'll see you next time.